Hi, TYB on the run. Welcome to Galatians 3. These are quick Bible blasts. We don't get to do the full book in these just yet, but these are quick Bible blasts to kind of tempt you to read the book. So let's jump into Galatians 3. I'm reading it over you guys. So remember, this is a letter from Paul, and it's a very passionate letter. So I'm going to try and be as passionate as I can about this. Galatians 3, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. If the law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the lock, under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the according to the promise. 
this is hard, right? I have to say, even as I was reading it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is actually a really hard scripture to understand because Paul is wrestling with concepts and thoughts that, I don't know about you, TYB, that that is kind of a little bit foreign to us. I mean, it it would be amazing to be a a, um, Jew and understand this from a Jewish perspective, the curse of the law and the, the understanding of Abraham and his righteousness. But Paul's given us enough information here to kind of wrestle with, and we're going to have a wrestle with it now, of what does it mean? Do we live by faith or do we live by the works of the law? Do we do we have to earn our salvation in a certain way, circumcision, obeying certain rules and regulations? Or is our salvation based purely in the fact that we believe in Christ Jesus and that belief and trust in Christ Jesus is enough? And this is the whole point of Galatians, remember, that the gospel is enough for you. The gospel is enough to save you from sin. The gospel is enough to set you free. And he's saying here, don't go back to your old ways of going under the curse of the law and sitting under rules and regulations just because you might think it's more comfortable to do that. And I don't know about you, TYB, but I feel like we, we, we are comfortable with laws because we can kind of tick a box through those laws and go, I did that, I did that. And it's kind of an easier way to navigate our salvation and really know where our salvation at, is at. But we have to be secure in our salvation. We have to be secure that by faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, we are saved and everything that comes with that salvation. And we're going to unpackage that in the rest of Galatians. So Paul, this cheeky person who is in very passionate, starts chapter three with you foolish Galatians. And he's saying, who has bewitched you? Basically, I preached a gospel message to you and you were saved. The chains were broken off you. You were saved and, and that, that bondage of the curse of the law and that bondage from sin fell off you. And now all of a sudden you've been wooed back under that. And he's like, who who did that to you? He says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He's saying, you, you saw it. He was clearly crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? The Message Bible actually says this in this, in this section. He says, did you receive the spirit by, by um, belief or or by earning or, you know, trying to working your head off to get it done. He's saying, no, 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 you've got to remember that your salvation, everything that you have been given, eternal life, being set free from sin, freedom, the Holy Spirit, everything that you have been given was not done by you earning it, was done by grace and and through this beautiful sense of the the work of the Spirit and by, I love this, um, he says, by the believing what you heard. Are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? TYB, we do this all the time. We begin um, salvation. We begin our Christian life by by this beautiful acceptance of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden we end up in works and we do it to new Christians. You know, they get saved. They've got this beautiful salvation moment where they're saved. And then we put conditions around it. You have to read your Bible. You have to pray. You have to attend church. You have to, you have to make sure you do this water baptism. And all these conditions come on there. Don't smoke. Don't swear. Don't do this. Don't do that. And we, we, we kind of give them all these conditions around it. And are we though giving them conditions to benefit their life or are we giving them conditions to tick a box of their salvation? Even you may be under those conditions today and I want to set you free from that because Paul is saying there is you didn't start by these conditions or by working at this. You start by you started this whole process by grace and just acceptance in Christ. Why would you now jump into works? Why would you now try and earn it? 
you know, if you miss church a couple of times, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if I'm saved. If I if I swear, oh my, I'm not sure if I'm saved. And we have these conditions on salvation that I just want you to get set free from. So as we journey through Galatians, I'm praying that this kind of sets you free from maybe conditions that you've put on yourself. And God is not telling you to do them or putting this bondage on you. Now it says, have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? And then he says, so again, I ask you, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? And he's, he's reiterating. Can you hear it? Repeating it over and over again. We are not saved by the works of the law. We are saved by just believing and trusting. And we have to continue in our security of our salvation throughout our whole Christian life like that. And then he pulls out the big, big guns because... If you are a Jewish person and, and you know, you're, he's debating this and, and, you know, you can imagine the debate going on and they're saying, no, it's under, it's under the conditions of all these things that we're a people of God. And he's saying, no, it's by grace that we are under the, as the people of God. And then imagine this moment where he says, so also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The witness that he calls at this moment is the greatest Jewish witness. <laughs> it's almost like swapping um, witnesses. He's like, I'm going to take your greatest witness and show you that that greatest witness is actually a witness for what I'm saying, not the works of the law. Because we've read the book of James and James is saying Abraham was you know, accredited to him as righteousness because of his belief and works of the law. And, and Paul flips it on his head and says, well, no, not really. Let me call Abraham to the stand as my witness and prove to you that Abraham was justified as righteous 430 years before the law even existed. And he's about to unpackage that because when you think about it, guys, Abraham um, believed and was accredited to him as righteousness and Moses is 430 years later. So righteousness and justification became or came by salvation by belief before the law was even in place. And this is what he's about to unpackage. Are you ready? Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. He's saying they are a part of the children of God. Scripture foresaw that God would justify or let's say save. I'm going to change the word justify to save because save, justify makes it harder to understand. Scripture foresaw that God would save the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. He's, I love this. All nations will be blessed through you so that those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. He's saying Abraham's promise wasn't just about the Jews being saved. Abraham's promise already the promise foresaw that Gentiles would be included in this. And he said, Abraham knew. And it says here, I love this moment. He's saying the promise was always about Abraham being the blessing to many nations, not just to one nation. And then he calls him the man of faith. Now let's continue. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. He's quoting the Old Testament here, guys, time and time again throughout this. He's actually quoting Deuteronomy. He's quoting Leviticus and Habakkuk because he's using their own scriptural evidence to prove his point. He's very cheeky, our Paul. And he's saying this, he's saying, if you, cursed is the one who does not do everything written in the book of the law. Why is he saying this? He's saying because you've got to understand that when you start from salvation by grace and you start adding works to this, you wholly put yourself back under that law because it says 
cursed, let me read it again. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. He's saying what you're actually doing to these new Christians is saying they have to go back under the curse. And that's not right. It is because freedom that Christ set them free. And now because you're telling them to just kind of dip their foot back under the law and dip their foot back under the, these certain things in the law, what you're actually doing is putting them wholly back under that curse and you're putting them under bondage again. This is why Paul is so passionate about this. You cannot be half law, half grace. You are either under grace or under the curse is what he's saying here, which is really, guys, when you think about that for our salvation, know that you are not under the curse of the Lord. You're not under the bondage of perfection. You are not under the bondage to do everything right in this Christian life. You have been set free so that you can live a life filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to do um, all that God has called you to do in the freedom of grace and salvation, in the strength of knowing that you are saved and that your your works and your conditions that maybe Christians have put on you is not to do with your salvation. I'm getting a bit passionate about that, aren't I, TYOB? Because I see people put Christians under the bondage again and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't put bondage on us all over again. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is saved before God because the righteous will live by faith. And then he continues. Then he pulls out this amazing thing and he says, well, what was the law for then? And quickly he says, brothers and sisters, let me take an example from every day. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant, an agreement that has been established, so it is this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. And he debates again and he says, let me tell you about this promise, this promise of salvation, this promise of the people of God. That was actually not promised to a people. That was promised through Christ. He says, Abraham and his seed. And he looks at the, the um, plurality or the pluralness of that, of that text and he says, no, no, no. It's actually not a promise through the people of God. It's a promise through Christ. And he's saying it has been um, satisfied through Christ and it was always intended that way. What he's saying is basically this. You're interpreting your Old Testament scripture wrong. It was always the intention of God to save by grace through Jesus Christ and that the Gentiles would be included in this. This is not a new thing is what he's saying. Faith and works of the law, this is not a new concept that Paul has come up with. That's why he keeps saying this gospel is not man-made. This gospel is a revelation of Jesus Christ that he is actually the way we were always supposed to be saved and the Old Testament testifies to that. Can you hear this debating nature, in, especially in chapter 3? And he goes through and he says, well, why was the law given at all? And he explains that the law was given like a, he says guardian, but let me replace that. He says that the, the law was given like a babysitter, like somebody coming along and um, it's this, and I apologize if I say this wrong, it's, it's a pedagogue, which means somebody who comes along like a babysitter, like a nanny, now, babysitter probably not a good term in our in our culture because a babysitter kind of doesn't live with the person. It's kind of an, a temporary assignment. Maybe like a nanny, somebody who comes along and the father is away, the father is not in the house at that time and comes along and walks beside that child, giving that child boundaries of what's good and what's bad and kind of setting that child's life up with boundaries and, and, and um, situations that say, hey, that's not good, with laws I have to say, laws around them to show them the right way to live. And let me read it to you. It says, before the coming of faith, we were held in custody under the lock 
under the law, locked up until the faith that was come would be revealed. He's saying the law had you locked up and Christ came and set you free. Then it says, so the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be saved by faith. Now that this faith has come, we're no longer under that guardian. We don't need the babysitter or the um, nanny anymore because the father has come. We don't need the nanny anymore because the one to which we were we were being guided towards has come. So once that now the law is not necessary because the guardian, sorry, the, the, the true father has come. And so, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. He's for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. He's saying the law came so that, that we would know sin. We would understand what sin is. We would understand what, what a good and, and, um, a bad sort of life is, but now that 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 um, Christ has come and we have those boundaries set in our heart, the Holy Spirit now tells us what is a good and bad things to do. Now the fulfilled promise has come. We no longer need a babysitter. And I want you to TYB maybe read this scripture again, or maybe get go back to the beginning and I'll read it over you again and listen to this understanding of the law was good for its time. The law was needed for its time. Now, really quickly, guys, I have heard a lot of teaching on Galatians 3 that says, well, Paul pretty much says that New Testament Christians have nothing to do with the Old Testament because it's the works of the law and you don't go back under the works of the law. And I've heard some teachers jump up and say, you know, you don't need to worry about the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments. We have been set free from the Old Testament. And I kind of disagree with that, TYB, because like Paul's saying here, the, the, the Old Testament shows us what is right behaviour and wrong behaviour. <laughs> the Old Testament is kind of like these boundary fences and I don't don't know about you, but I want to know where my boundary fences are. I don't obey the boundary fences for the um, security of my salvation, no, but I do want to know where the boundary fences are for the provision and blessing of my life. I want to make sure that as I'm reading the Old Testament, I learn from their mistakes. I go through the text and I go, you know what? God actually says that this is holy and this isn't holy. God actually speaks about this is a life that's blessed and this is a life that's cursed. Now, those curses no longer come upon me because I'm under Christ, but I do need to know what in God's sight is good behavior and bad behavior. It's like the Ten Commandments. I want to know what God shines, smiles upon and what he doesn't. And so I'm going to read the Old Testament text. I'm not going to throw it out as a New Testament Christian that throws out the, the law, so to speak, because later on in Romans, Paul actually talks about the law in quite beautiful terms. He says, you know, the, the blessed law, he talks about the law in terms of knowing our God and knowing what God likes and what he doesn't like. So don't be a New Testament Christian that says, you know, in Galatians he's throwing out the Old Testament. He's not. What he's doing is saying this, don't hold to those Old Testament laws as the way of salvation. Don't hold to those Old Testament legalities as a way of earning your salvation. Your salvation is secure by grace and faith in Jesus Christ alone. And those Old Testament laws for us as New Testament Christians is this understanding of how do we outwork this? How do we live a godly life? How do we put maybe boundaries? And as he says, 
it's like going back to what you were taught, um, you know, if you had a nanny, I didn't have a nanny, but what you were taught in, in school kind of guides your life all the way through. And he sort of gets this understanding of the law is no longer, un- we're not under that law because we're not definitely un- not under the curse of the law, but we are under maybe the guidance and the understanding of what is right and wrong in God's eyes. And that's how I see the Old Testament to the New Testament. Anyway, that's Galatians 3, guys. I hope you've loved it. 